Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your brand new source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, but I'm thinking maybe I need to rethink my life about watching Thursday Night Football. Oh, man. Yeah, we are coming to you live (laughs) on Thursday night here to pregame Jets-Packers, but unfortunately, first, we had to be subjected to that awful, awful Commanders-Bears game. Somehow worse than the Colts-Broncos game from last week. I'm getting kind of tired of these terrible Thursday night But there were touchdowns this week. That's true. Which, you know, they tried to not score. Three times the Bears got within the five-yard line and did not score. They really tried to give us that goose egg there. But they did end up scoring a touchdown despite their best efforts. But we are not here to talk to you about that Thursday night football game. We're trying to forget it as quickly as possible, just like you are, I'm sure. We are here to talk to you about this Sunday matchup, Packers-Jets. And yes, we have not shut down the podcast after that loss to the Giants last week, although we did think about it. We are here still, and we are still on Twitter. You can follow us at Father Son Packer. You can also find us on YouTube still, Father Son Packers Podcast. We would really appreciate a follow and a subscribe on both of those. It'd really help out our numbers. We'd appreciate you checking us out. And we'd appreciate you checking us out on any platform you like for podcasts, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. And we would really appreciate you trying to find us wherever you can. Dad, you ready to kind of get into this? Sure, let's jump right into the injury report. Yes, like we not do... Not as extensive as last week. Not nearly as extensive as last week, yes. Like we do every week, we like to start our pregames, which we do every single Thursday night, with the injury report. So we're just going to read them off to you. Again, this is as of practice on Thursday, so these might get updated a bit later in the week, but this is what we have now. For the Packers, both Bakhtiari and Jenkins were limited each day, which seems to kind of be what they're sticking with as they recover from their relative, uh, respective knee injuries. Uh, Stenovich did say that Jenkins looked the best he had all year last week uh, versus the Giants at right tackle, which is definitely a sign that it seems like he's kind of rehabbing well. Tipanali was a DNP both days with a hamstring injury. Rashawn Gary was a new addition to the injury report, which is definitely something we want to keep an eye on uh, with a toe injury. Mercedes Lewis had his usual vet rest on Thursday. Aaron Rodgers, another very important one to keep an eye on, uh, has a thumb injury that he sustained at the end of the Giants game, although he was a full participant today after being a DNP yesterday. So it's nice to see him get a full day of practice in. Kind of makes you think that maybe that thumb being held out yesterday is more precautionary christian but he, Watson, did ha- he, but he did have it taped at practice yes that is a good point he did have it taped at practice but christian, full participant yes christian watson was a dnp both days with a hamstring injury and Devonte wyatt their other uh their first round pick that was not quay walker was limited both days with the same quad injury that he missed the giants game with uh kylan hill is also now uh is he officially off the pup list or is he practicing no practicing? he's not off the pup list they just started his Return window. window. So yes. once he's now he's got 21 days. Once they start this window, they either activate him within 21 sometime within 21 days, or he's out for the year. Yes, but he is back at practice. I think he could give us a really good boost uh, in the kick returning unit, especially with Watson out once he's activated. That is, uh, so he won't be playing this week. But it's nice to see Kylan Hill back out there after he tore his ACL after a, during a very promising rookie year. Dad, any other notes you want to add on the Packers side of the injury report? Um, I guess the only thing is I, I feel like Watson is very unlikely for this week, seeing as it's his second hamstring injury. I think they're going to have to rest it for a couple of weeks to try to get him so that he can be at full strength 
towards the end of the year. It's unfortunate for his you know getting more reps and practice and development, but I, I'd be very surprised if he's able to play this week. I agree. And it's why it, it's a little hard to tell if he's actually improving or not with yeah. his uh, practice schedule right now. Yeah, and it sucks for Watson, especially because he missed most of camp with a knee injury, and he's in danger of missing his second game with a hamstring injury, and it just seems like it's really slowing his development because he's already having trouble getting targets in this offense. He's mostly just getting design touches right now, and you just feel like he needs the game reps to become a real part of this offense. But anyway, Dad, that's kind of all we had for the Packers. Let's move on to the Jets injury report. Um Brown, one of their offensive tackles, limited both days of the shoulder. He is one of their starters, and he did just return from IR last week, but he did play all the snaps last week. So the fact that he's limited makes me think he will play. Uh, Johnson, one of their defensive ends, has been in DNP both days with an ankle injury. Carl Lawson, uh, another one of their defensive ends, one of their better players, um, it was limited on Wednesday, but was a full participant on Thursday, also with an ankle injury. Seems like that's kind of moving in the right direction for him, and he will play. Mosley went from limited on Wednesday to full on Thursday with a hip injury, so it seems like he's going to play. And then Williams, their other linebacker, was limited both days with an ankle injury. Uh, both those guys are their starting linebackers, so it seems like they should be fully healthy or pretty healthy in this in this game for the Jets. I think mostly, yeah. The fact that they got uh, Brown back last week, my guess is they're just doing a load management for his shoulder after he he just came back. This was activated a little over a week ago, maybe even under a week ago. And the only one I think is in real danger of missing is um, their defensive end, Johnson, who backs up um, Lawson. He he hurt his ankle in the last game. And the fact that he has two DNPs um, seems like he's likely to miss. But, he, I, but he's not. But he's but I think they're going to have all their starters as far as I can tell so far. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at for the injury report. Pretty healthy on the Jets side, fairly healthy on the Packers side. Looks like both these teams are going to be pretty close to full strength. Uh, but, Dad, do you want to move on to our game preview, the meat of the meat of the episode, so to speak? Sure. So you want to go blast from the past? Um, why don't you do Yeah, I'll do, the, go ahead and do our blast, blast from the past, the past, and then I'll do what's going on in Jets world. Sure, yeah. We're just going to keep these nice and tight, but we like to do these every week kind of. Blast from the past, we like to do the last time these teams, these two teams met, and then what's going on in Jets world is a bit of what's what have they been up to lately, how's their year going. But so anyway, a little blast from the past. Last time the Packers played the Jets was in 2018. Not a whole lot to glean from this game. Completely different coaching staffs with the Packers having interim coach Joe Philbin. Um, completely different teams since then. Sam Darnold was the starter for the Jets at this point. Uh, but the Packers did win 44 to 38 in overtime behind 440 yards, two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns from Rogers. Really good game from him. Uh, they actually technically played the Jets last year in the preseason, if we want to count that, but didn't really mean a whole lot. So this will be the first regular season matchup between LaFleur and his brother, Mike LaFleur, who is the offensive coordinator for the Jets, and one of his best friends who apparently is known forever, and they've been in each other's wedding and stuff, Robert Sala, who is the head coach for the Jets. Yeah, weren't they, weren't they like uh, college roommates or something at Notre they Dame? They were, or, I think, where, grad assistants together. Oh, maybe they were both grad assistants. And lived assistants together, together a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think they were grad assistants together. 
But anyway, Dad, that's kind of a little blast from the past. Not a whole lot to glean from that last matchup, but just kind of fun to note. Yeah, they're uh, going to know each other very well when they, when these two teams meet. Oh, yeah, even though they haven't played recently, they're, they're going to know each other's tendencies. But, Dad, do you want to talk about what the Jets have been up to so recently? So what's going on in Jets world, shocking, I think, most of the football world. They have a winning record at 3-2 and two with wins over the Dolphins, Steelers, and Browns. And Zach Wilson will be making his third start of the year after Flacco came in when Wilson got hurt. But Wilson came back, I believe, last week was his first week back after the injury, right? Uh, he actually played against the Steelers as well. So it was his second week back last week. Second week back. Okay. Yes. After the injury. Yes. His first then, start of so- the year was versus the Steelers, and he beat Kenny Pickett. And then last week, they played the Dolphins, and you can right. take it from so there. Last week, they beat the Dolphins in this offensive explosion, 40-17. to 17. But that was kind of a w- weird game. I was looking over the actual drives. I mean, so the, they had they had 21 points in the fourth quarter, um, but those ones were almost all short fields. They have 56-yard drive, a 20-yard drive, and a 30-yard drive for those three touchdowns that they had in the fourth quarter. One was after a missed field goal, one was after a recovered fumble, and one was after a turnover on downs late in the game. Yeah. Um The other two touchdowns for the game, one was set up by a 79-yard pass to Brees Hall and then a, like a one-yard plunge for the touchdown. It may have been by Michael Carter. Yeah. And then the last drive was a nine-play, 53-yard drive after an INT. So there's a theme here. A lot of short fields and one like crazy long play for a touchdown. And the reason for the lot of short fields is they were playing against the Dolphins' third stringer for most of the game because Tua was out with his concussion uh, protocol, and then Teddy Bridgewater sustained a head head injury during the game as well. So they were down to their third guy. I believe his name is Skylar Thompson, the Dolphins were. That could be right. But the fact that I can't even be sure of that just goes to show that the Dolphins' offense was not operating on full cylinders. Right, and so this is a case where I think you could clearly point to the fact that it was the Dolphins' offense that torpedoed their defense in this game and gave up a bunch of points to the Jets offense. Yeah. Brees Hall did have a nice game though. He had a really nice game. I was actually more impressed with Zach Wilson during the Steelers game when he led a fourth quarter comeback versus them. I thought Mm -hmm. that was a lot more impressive than this past Dolphins game personally. Yeah. Here that, but Brees Hall looked good. He had almost 200 yards, a hundred receiving. Of course, most of that was in the one big play and 97 yards rushing um, they also, Wilson spread the ball around. Nobody had more than four targets in the game. Mm-hmm. So I think, I forget if there were seven or eight different uh, players who got, got targeted. Yeah. But we'll get more into that as we get deeper into our game breakdown, but that's kind of what the jets have been up to recently. Three and two, same record as the Packers. Shockingly enough. And I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. How, I think that I think the jets is, are a decent uh, team. How long has it been since both New York teams had winning records this by week five? I don't what? know. I should have looked it up, but I might not have had enough time. To, you mean to look bo- up you to... mean both New Jersey teams? <laughs> both um all three New York teams of, playing on top of uh Jimmy Hoffa's tomb teams? Yes, exactly. But anyway, let's get into specifically the Jets versus the Packers and how we think that's going to shake up, starting with kind of what makes the Jets a tough matchup. Specifically just what, Dad, what do you think is going to be, like, what What do the Jets present that might give some struggles for the Packers? Okay, I'd like to start with a little bit of context, too, because it's not, there are some things that they have that are tough, but I also want to, uh, I don't want to paint just the gloom and doom here. 
because they're mostly been a middle of the pack team by a lot of different metrics. Mm-hmm. 17th by DVOA overall for football outsiders. They're middle of the back in a lot of little bit middle of the pack in a lot of both offensive and defensive line metrics. Um, pass rush win rate, run stop rate, pass block win rate, run blocking win rate. They're all kind of in the middle, middle third or, or very tight to the middle in all of those, as well as in run blocking and pass blocking by DVOA, DVOA for football outsiders. But one thing that they they are they have been good at in particular. PFF has them as the seventh best defense. It seems more likely on the back of their secondary rather than their offensive line, their defensive line play. Yeah, and if I could just add, just my note is specifically about their secondary, if you don't mind me throwing it in there. But what I thought was going to be tough for them is their secondary is really legit. I mean, Maggie Loney of Pax What She Said is where I got this information from. Great podcast. You should check it out. But they have seven interceptions and 23 passes defended on the year so far for reference the packers have one interception and seven passes defended on the year so far so they have as many picks as we have passes defended that's insane and yeah their secondary is pretty legit i had that same note about they have the same number of picks as we have breakups yeah and part of that i think is the Packers' defensive backs have been playing so far off the ball, off the receivers, that they're not in position to touch the ball before it gets to the receiver. Yes, but anyway, this is about the Jets. We can rant about the Packers in a little bit. So I'll just point out a couple more things that the, that the Jets seem to be, you know, better at this year. Their special teams are fifth overall in, in PFF and second overall by DVOA. So both of those different metrics give them a high grade. Green Bay, by the way, is 10th, which is a huge improvement versus last year. Tenth is and, amazing. I'll take. I, I would have taken twentieth. Yeah, and one thing the Jets are good at in running the ball is running wide left. They're fourth in the league, which is you know, and, and average, you know, any, everywhere else, average behind the straight behind the left tackle, and then bad actually center and right side lines. So kind of similar to the Giants, if you remember last week, it was very similar. They're very good wide left, and not so good over the rest of the um, running behind the rest of the line. Which is interesting because, like we said, Brown, who came off of injury, is now starting at left tackle for them, mostly because Mekhi Becton got hurt during the offseason. And he Mekhi Becton was slated to be their starting left tackle, and then they brought Dwayne Brown in, and he's filled in very nicely for them. My uh, other so note what- for what is making the Jets difficult is also in regards to the run game. I just think Brees Hall is really ramping up now. I mean, in the past two games since Wilson started... He has he had 17 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown versus the Steelers, 18 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown, and two receptions for 100 yards versus the Dolphins. I mean, when he's in space, he's so dangerous, and the Packers linebackers are going to have to tackle well, and the Packers edge rushers are going to have to contain the run. I thought they did a pretty decent job containing Saquon, but then that one explosive play out of the Wildcat happened for 40 yards, and it led to a really important touchdown for the Giants. The Packers can't afford to give up a play like that versus the Jets again this week. Yeah. Um, Hall, wasn't, was Hall the, the first running back drafted in this draft? I think so, yes. In the second Is that right? Round. Yes. He yeah. Was the, yeah, it was in the second round, but he was, was the first running back drafted this year. I believe so, yes. Yeah. So, so, so other thing is very, very highly thought of, but he's been doing well. Yeah. I, I would say I agree with, you know, on your point last week, they did a pretty good job play to play so that most plays for the Giants running were not that successful, but they did have the one big run and then the one big pass to uh, Saquon once he got out of his space. And it seems to be, again, this issue of 
the front is doing okay, but on the few times they get through the front, they're dashing downfield. Yeah, I mean, it's so we <sighs> hope to stop that this week. It's just so tough. They need they need to tackle better. They need to pass off like routes and zones better. They need to communicate better. I mean, it's it's so many small things that they're making mistakes on that it, I mean, it's hard to clean up so many different things at once, but it's just it's a lot of things becoming a confluence of factors into that they're letting these guys get all this open space partially because they're playing so passively and you can't do that with these players who once they get into space are so dangerous but anyway dad let's move on if you want to if you're fine with that onto yeah. how we think the jets will specifically try to attack the packers do you want to start so i'll go a little bit of what i think the jets are going to try to do on defense and i think there's going to be aggressive and go for turnovers and try to force short fields so they really took about advantage of this against miami as we were talking about but they've also if, if you count turnovers on defense i mean sorry turnover on downs the Jets have scored off of a turnover in every game so far this year. Mm. And so I think that's going to be one of the keys to their success because they've had a fair number of their scores off of short fields. And the Packers have been uncharacteristically turning the ball over. Under LaFleur, for the most part, the past three years, they had been very good with protecting the ball. This year, it's been bad. They have just been giving away possessions that they can't afford to give away. Because they're not getting any turnovers of their own. Yeah, to balance it out, really low, and and, uh, and part of that is how far off that they're playing. And I, I think there are two things actually that comes of that by playing so deep, covering the receivers. They're also way out of position to support the run. And one reason why they're getting so deep upfield once they get through the line. Yeah, but we're going to talk so, about that in a bit. Do you want to continue with your Jets thought? I have yeah. So thought. another thing I think that I noticed that the Jets are doing is. I think they're going to try to speed up the game. So you, so the Jets actually run the fastest pace offense in the league um, per football outsiders in terms of the number of seconds per play, um, while Green Bay is like the fourth slowest. So they sped up. Green Bay was dead last for a while, but now they're like fourth to last. So they're oh, moving up in, well, speed, in, that in pace of play. <laughs> but the other thing is interesting, and I'm not quite sure what this means. They're actually forced the most seconds per play when they're on defense. I'm not quite sure what that means, um, but there's a little bit of conflict here between the speed of the Jets' offense and how long the Packers are forcing their opponents to take on offense. And I don't know if that's something about – it could be noise and that they've happened to play some slower-paced teams. If it means anything at all, it could be about the teams like calling audibles and adjusting to the defense. But I'm totally making stuff up right now because – that I didn't dive quite deeply enough into that. But I, what's interesting about the pace of play is Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike, is calling plays on the other side, and they're the fastest team in the league, and we're almost the slowest. What's going on? I mean, Aaron Rodgers plays a slow style of football. He likes getting to the line. He likes he taking likes his time. He likes reading the defense. I think it, I think it's pretty clear that that's why we're slow. That's, but, I think I think it's a marriage of the two. Rodgers likes to survey the defense to the last second, but Matt LaFleur takes a while to call those plays in. But anyway, the way that I feel like the Jets are going to try to take advantage of the Packers is through the interior, specifically the interior pass rush, specifically targeting Royce Newman, and specifically <laughs> surprise, surprise. and specifically Quinn and Williams targeting Royce Newman. Uh, 
I feel like Royce has been okay in the run game. Personally, I think he's been all right. But the pass game has really been a struggle for him. He's allowing a team-high 12 pressure so far this year per PFF. Last week, he really struggled against the Giants and Dexter Lawrence. And according to Jacob Morley on Twitter, while Dexter Lawrence is, is a very good player, he has a win rate from a true pass set of 27.8%, which is fourth in the league for interior D linemen. Very good. It, it makes sense why Royce Newman might struggle against him. It's not getting any easier this week. Uh, Quinnen Williams is third in the NFL with a 28.6% win rate. For reference, Kenny Clark is second. Uh, but it's another really tough matchup for Royce. He's got to play better this week. He was getting, he's kind of yeah. getting his ass kicked last week. I a feel like bit. we almost had to pour one out for him after that one play where, oh, um, Dexter yeah. Lawrence just planted him. And so and, we hope we don't have any more of those against Quinn Williams. You know, am I just totally spacey on this? But I had this brief moment of hope a few years ago where it seemed like the Jets maybe were just going to blow everything up and trade away Quinn and Williams. And maybe there was this pie in the sky, like every player that's ever available could maybe go to the Packers. Players, they never trade. <laughs> a, a franchise never trades good young players. That's why all these people talking about, oh, the Panthers are going to trade DJ Moore. No, they're not. They are not going to trade us DJ Moore. He is 24 years old. He will but, be good in three years when they're good again. It, it, he, they're not going to trade him. You know the one difference between him and Quinn? He's on a second Quinn? contract and he's making exactly. a lot of money. It's I know. costing more money. But they're the not going to trade a good young player. I just don't see it happening. But anyway, that's kind of the concern I have is that Royce is going to get kind of dog walked by Quinn and Williams and they're going to need to help him. I'm a little concerned because I think that that interior pressure made Rodgers a little trigger shy. Uh, in the last game, you could see there was a specific play down the right sideline to Dobbs that I know a lot of people have retweeted where Dobbs is open. And then Newman starts to get pushed back and Rodgers doesn't quite pull the trigger because he feels like Newman's about to get dumped in his lap. And it's just kind of a product of Newman really struggling this year. And it makes you wonder how long it'll be before they think about making a change, whether or not they think they make, they'll make a change. I would like to see Tom at right guard. For some reason, during the offseason, they gave him no reps at right guard. They only gave him reps at left guard, which continues to I, mystify me. I did not understand that, why they just skipped over right guard and tried him out at left guard. When that you have an established, established left guard, John Runyon has not allowed a single pressure this year at left guard. The only guard in the league who's played that, um, uh, you know, that many that snaps. That many snaps, yeah. And to yeah, a, to not allow, allow pressure. no pressures. It's crazy because Runyon... You knew Runyon was going to be one of better one of your better starters. Why are you giving Tom his yeah. snaps instead of Newman's? I don't I, understand it. This is so, yeah, that will forever remain a mystery to me. I think why they they did it that way in the, in training camp. Yeah, and now you can say, oh, it's it's hard for Tom to learn a p- new position like right now because he didn't have time in the off season. <laughs> why weren't you giving him snaps at right guard in the off season? Right guard was the. Besides left tackle, obviously, with Bakhtiari's question marks. Right guard was the position with the most question marks. You had Jake Hansen starting there. Oh, you had I know. They had right. They were they were mixing in Hansen and Newman. You were more you were apparently more okay with Jake Hansen starting there and Tom starting at left guard than Tom starting at right guard and Runyon starting at left guard. I I can't understand why they thought that that was the move. That's one of my biggest question marks from the offseason is why aren't you setting up Tom at right guard? Why is Sean Ryan inactive every single game if you drafted him in the third round? And Caleb Jones is on the NFI list. 
you don't even have all of your linemen. Yeah, well, Caleb Jones is sick, so I don't... No, yeah. that's what I'm saying, is Caleb Jones is on the NFI list, well, they and you have, don't like, even have Ryan activated. But they have 11 linemen on the roster, so even without it's Ryan true. activated, they still have nine. It's true, but it's just confusing to me how Ryan... Like, I would have thought Ryan would compete for a starting guard spot going into the year, but I oh, should have well, known, you know I I have known better because he was drafted third round in the pick. third round. Third round pick. <laughs> should have exactly known where that's going. Set them on fire. Um, <laughs> trade just them trade, them for, for trade them for two fifths sandwich. or something like that. I don't even care. Trade them for one fifth. Confuse the other teams. Doesn't matter. Just you're not do, picking yeah, well. Their 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 fourth round rate. Hit rate it's so much is better, so much than, better than, the than the third round rate. Round. Yeah, yeah. Just They're take just a guy you have a fourth round grade on and pick them in better the third. players. I it doesn't. It's a mystery. <laughs> I don't understand it. But do you want to move on to our our next so, section? I'll just sort of say one thing that maybe what's going on, and this is total speculation. Maybe what they're waiting for is when they're sure Bakhtiari can play 100% of the snaps. But every why? Game. That doesn't and necessarily... then they know it's safe to start nine minute right. They don't need to hold him in reserve. That's, I'm, I'm not... I know. This is not my plan. This is my guess of what their plan is. The thing is, I like Elton at right tackle. I know he struggled the first three games. He just had, or first handful of games, he just had his best game at right tackle versus the Giants. And I know it wasn't yeah. an elite competition or anything, but he just had his best. He's only a few games back. And I think just if, you know, if Bakhtiari can't go, you play Nyman at left, you play Elton at right. Tom at right guard, please, <sighs> please. And okay, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes. Tom will struggle with bull rushes also. He's not the biggest guy. But <laughs> it's not like Newman's holding up. I was going to say, it's not like it's going great for Newman. On those bull rushes. On those bull rushes. He's also getting walked back. Or and, you walked know, I just over. Think, and I just think Tom's ceiling is a lot higher. And he played really well in the preseason. He didn't play a lot of guard, admittedly. Played some, right, because they were bringing tackle. him in at, at, at right tackle. Yeah. Uh, for Lazarus. And I, I I think there is the opinion that because of his quickness and agility, he is best suited to be out in space on an island. Yeah, and I So understand. if you want if you if I want to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, and he's not gonna be a road grader. He's not gonna really move bodies in the run game. He's a bit more finesse. He's an athlete. I mean, he played center and tackle for a reason. Those are s- smaller positions than guard. Not smaller in height, but just girth. Um it's it's tough because, yes, I know there will be problems. I'm not going to. Tr- I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that Tom at right guard is suddenly a Pro Bowler and the line is the best line in the league. I just think you should think about. But, but can we Newman test not it out playing? And find out? Yeah, it's it's just that Newman is not. He's not playing terribly. He's not the worst lineman in the league, but he's the worst lineman on your line. And I think it's worth giving a shot to a guy who looked really good in camp. So I'll, that's my right. two cents. Still better than Hanson. Oh, yeah. To be fair. So, so let's, so let's yeah. move on now. Let's move now on that we, to... Now that we got that little rant out of the way, we'll move <laughs> yes. on to how you think... The Packers some... might exploit the Jets. Yes, the Packers... Yeah, let's move on to the Packers have a exploiting game... the Jets. The Packers are going to have a game plan, too. You know... It's it's not like they just run out there and the Jets get to exploit them willy-nilly. I think the Packers have some definitely some avenues to success in this game. I don't think it's going to be an easy game. People see Jets on the schedule and are like, W. I think the Jets are actually a, a decently tough matchup. 
And I think that the main thing the Packers need to do, and the main advantage of they ha- that they have is at the quarterback position, and they just have to, have to, have to, have to take advantage of Zach Wilson's inexperience. Currently, according to Jacob Morley on Twitter, Zach Wilson has a completion percentage of 18.8% under pressure, which ranks dead last among starters. And the Packers never blitz. And as we detailed last week, um, as Benjamin Solak detailed in his article for The Ringer, if you haven't checked it out, it is one of the best Packers articles you'll read all year. It's excellent. excellent. It's an excellent read. It's so in-depth on both both the offense and the defense. But one of the things he highlighted and that we talked about last week is that the Packers first and second round or second down defense is so awful and so non-aggressive. They never blitz. You can see some blitz numbers that say they do, but as Solak um, reiterated in his article, that's just because they're playing a bear front and rushing the five that they have down. It's not really a blitz. They have like the lowest percentage of uh, secondary members sent uh, pass rushing so far in the league. They have to be more aggressive with Zach Wilson. I am begging you, and Joe more Barry. creative. I think they're not even putting in many stunts or other, um, no, you know, disguises. They are just saying, "Go win your one-on-one matchup, guys. You guys got this." And it's just not working. And they need to pressure Zach Wilson because he's young. He's inexperienced. He has less than a full season starting, or about a full season starting at this point. They. They need to put him under pressure. He's not very good under pressure. If you let him just sit back there and pat the ball, I mean, who knows what could happen? And he's fairly mobile, so it can be difficult to put him under pressure, but you got to try and confuse him up there. It's just, it's not okay. I I don't know how else to say this. It's not okay if you play vanilla. I will not be okay with it. I will not be physically, mentally any kind of way okay if i just sit there and watch them rush for every single down with no stunts yeah. and twists i will be yeah, they, unwell and they say they use the word vanilla to mean it's like bland this is much worse than vanilla this vanilla is has a lot of great flavor say, this, this is, is like flavored this is just right it's like un, unflavored ice soy extract this, it's, or it's like a snow cone with no syrup this, <laughs> this is terrible yeah, let's not let's not give vanilla too bad of a rap by comparing what they're doing to vanilla. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's not fair to vanilla. Like it's it's, it's not so, fair to vanilla at all. Vanilla it, has so much more flavor and interest than what they're doing on defense right now. It's so bad. And Joe Barry did say today in his interview that he wants to be more aggressive with his defensive backs. Uh, Jerry Gray said in his interview the other day that he has to coach the defensive backs to be more aggressive. I gotta see it to believe it. And I would really love to see it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've got some of those notes, too. A thing to keep an eye out for, whether they actually do it. But uh, we'll get yeah. to that. Um, so things I think the Packers will try to um, do to exploit the Jets. Like the, the Green Bay's offensive line is second in run blocking now for football outsiders. Good in both the uh, offensive stuff rate, so preventing getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage, and good at second-level blocking, which is... you. Know, not a surprise considering the ki- the types of traits that Green Bay usually looks for in their linemen. They like high they like good agility numbers, they like good speed. They want people to be able to get out and go to the second level and find another defender to block. So those are things that are going to However, they're only 13th in pass blocking right now. So one of the things yeah. I think I'm I'm going to look for is more use of Jones this week. A lot hopefully a lot more use of Jones in the run game. 
the Jets are a little bit better against pass catching by running backs than they are the running backs actually running, though they're not really great in either. So I think they'd be able to take advantage of Jones in space as a pass catcher, and I expect them to, um, as well as handing off. Yeah, and you said more Jones. I want to see more Dylan that I'll talk about later. I mean, they just need to get the the running. I know it's like beating a dead horse, but the <laughs> running game is the engine of this offense right now, and they need to treat it as such. And I know it's not sexy. I know it's not how most modern elite offenses work, but you got to run the ball. I'm sorry. It's just not working if you're, when you're not doing it and you're, you're running the ball. Excellently. You're so good at running the ball. Please run you know, the ball. It's kind of, you know, we're seeing the next evolution in the NFL because it's a cycle, you, you know, several decades ago, it was all about the run. And then they started gradually changing the pass coverage rules, how much contact you could make, protecting the quarterback. So they became easier to pass. And now the defenses are morphing to this too high shell, take uh, plays downfield, try to force teams to run. And so now teams are starting to take advantage of that by running more. We'll see what we'll see where this leads. See, but you can say that. Ch- you can say that. But, but they then do you keep changing the-, the leads to make the passing easier and easier and easier. Well, you can say so that, but, hard then to- you watch, but then you watch the Buffalo Bills play the Steelers, and you're like, yeah, if we went run first against the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> we're not keeping up. I'm sorry. It's just not <laughs> going to work. Do you think this team in their wildest dreams can keep up with the Buffalo Bills right now? My goodness, that team's a buzzsaw. That team is insane right now. They are a they juggernaut. Are I can't cruising. wait for I can't wait for Bills Chiefs this weekend. That game is going to be fun. Oh yeah, that's going to be the rematch of that playoff yeah. game. Yeah. T- what was it? Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football said on Twitter that today was the vegetables, so we can get our dessert on Sunday of watching uh, Chiefs Bills. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, was this? Was this vegetables? I feel like this was more like a spoonful of cod liver oil before mm, dinner. Just a nice entire <laughs> container, an entire container of Vegemite in one sitting. Oh, that's but a good analogy. Anyway, um, let's move on. Specifically, Dad, what are you keeping your eye out for this game? What do you think the people should specifically be looking for out on the field? So I'm going to be watching for something I think almost, you know, I don't know how high percentage of Packers fans going to be watching is that Will the defensive backs be able to play press forward aggressively, either in man or zone? I mean, because yes. just because it's zone doesn't mean you can't get up there and aggressively try to knock the receiver off of their route. They played and, more aggressive zone last year. Like they actually played yeah. a pretty aggressive set of zone last year. And so, and Barry even said this week, uh, just today, I think, in an interview that yeah, he, he wants to be yeah. wants to have them play more aggressively this week. You know, this is per per Ryan Wood. Um, he quoted him as having they planned to get up into the receivers more, though not like a classic, you know, bump and run man. And Tom Silverstein had a similar quote from Barry about him wanting to um, let them play more aggressively. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. And by yeah, I think this to- is the key to unlocking this defense. Actually, I mean, it's the key to any defense. It's like you're going to make mistakes, but. If you just let them paper cut you down the field, you're gonna just ne- your offense is never gonna get the ball and you're gonna lose. Like I think the other thing that happens is you just get so reactionary. You are waiting for them to do something before you do something. Yes, Instead it's important to dictate. You have to dictate the play. being aggressive and attacking. Yes, maybe I'm talking a little bit old school, but I do. I would like to see the Packers be the aggressor, forcing the other team to react, than letting the other team dictate everything that happens on the field. Yeah, and. Something that 
I'm also looking for the secondary, but well, first of all, I think the number one thing all Packers fan, Packers fans should be looking for is how does Aaron Rodgers' thumb look? If Rodgers looks like bad, this if if Rodgers looks like he's grabbing his thumb a lot and his hand a lot, if it looks like it's really bothering him, we have bigger problems. I think that's yes. the number one thing we should all be watching for and hoping that's not an issue. <laughs> that problem is so big, it's not even worth worrying about, right? Cause because well, we go, you know the we old practice eft. I was gonna say you know the old you know the old uh, was it the coach of the Colts. If that happens, we're effed and we don't so, practice eft. So why don't we give the backup any reps? If eighteen is injured, we're yeah we're screwed and we don't practice screwed. But yeah, I think that's that's the number one thing I'm gonna watch for. But beyond that, the like real biggest thing I'm gonna watch for is where will Rasul Douglas and Jair play this week? Because. It seemed like to me, Douglas had a lot more success as a boundary corner when Jair was hurt uh, those past few weeks and just looked better. I mean, he's honestly getting killed a bit by speed in the open field. He's not the fastest corner. He's getting, he specifically, and for some reason, Eric Stokes, I don't understand why when you run a 4-2, you have guys running away from you in the middle of the field, but Beyond that, I think Douglas works a lot better when he can be physical and use the boundary as a helper. I am interested to see if it's been a big talking point all year, what the best way to deploy these corners is. They started the year with Rasul, like was always going to play the slot. That was always the decision and Jair was going to play the boundary. And I had assumed that the reason for that was because of Jair's shoulder injury, his history of injury as a smaller guy. Despite being a very good tackler, very physical, don't want to say he's not, but history of injury and the physicality that comes with playing the slot and how much you have to like hit big guys in the run game, it's it's a lot for a smaller guy with a history of injury. But according to Ryan Wood, Joe Barry said today that Alexander's injury when he hit Najee Harris last year versus Pittsburgh doesn't make him hesitate to move Jair inside. And so it makes you wonder, okay, if that's not the reason, then I don't see what the reason could be. And... Matt Schneiman, yeah, and- of the, Matt Schneiman of The Athletic seems to believe that, based on the presser today, that it's something that Barry is open to. And he hypothesized that we might see a lot more of Douglas back outside with Jair in the slot. And I think that if they're not if they're not worried about the impact it's going to have on his health, they should 100% do it because just play type-wise, body type-wise, it just it makes sense. The only, with, the only drawback was the injury. And if that's not what you're worried about, I don't see why you're not making that move. Yeah, Jair has like the best agility of the corners. Yep. Um, Douglas, his physicality when he's allowed to do it by play by design allows him to make up for having less quickness and speed. Mm-hmm. He can bump the um, receiver, knock him off his route, pin him against the sideline, and then play the ball when yeah. he's in position to play the ball by playing up close. And Jair's going up and making tackles in the backfield anyway. It's true. He did it a couple times this week. I don't think you're, you're going to protect him from himself so much by playing outside. And get him closer to the ball because yeah. he's so instinctual around the ball. If It's such a disservice to put him, just stick him outside and just have him hang out at right corner all game. And sure, he'll shut down that side, but you don't travel. Like you're not having your corners travel with a guy. You're not playing man. What's the point of playing him on the boundary all game? If The, the only point I could see to like keeping him on the boundary is if you're switching sides each time and you're having him travel with the best outside receiver, but you're not really even having him do that. So it's just a waste of the highest paid corner in the league 
if you're not going to have him travel with a man and you're also not going to move him closer to the ball. Uh, that's just my two cents. The only reason I was defending this decision was because I thought they had concerns for injury. But if that's not it, then you make the move. Uh, I would love to see them do it. I don't know how long it'll take because I think coaches, and I think people in most professions, like to stick with what they've already started because they believed it already. And so it takes a long time to convince somebody that the reasons they chose something were wrong mm-hmm. because you already you already analyze something and decide okay this is the way I want to do it because of these reasons so it takes a while to overcome the decision making process that already happened once for most people rather than to okay oh well this isn't working I need to try something new yeah um, and admit and that it's, it's not working so we'll it's see not working. how long it takes before this will happen I'm hoping it'll be soon because I think if they can do this I think the defense will improve dramatically yeah um do you want to move on to our players to watch? Well, I did have a couple more little mm, points. Yeah. So go ahead and keep an eye yeah. out for. So one thing, you know, with, with Watson out, most likely. I mean, it's not sure, but I, I suspect that they're going to be careful with his hamstring. Will anybody be doing motion? He's been the, the main guy in motion. When he goes out, I think the whole offense suffers. And either that's because of they don't do as much motion or they don't have the speed element going downfield. I'm not sure which it is, but it would be nice to find – if they can get somebody else in motion, maybe even if they do Jones, they have them split wide and then they have him run in motion. If they do two backs, but not a tip, a classic pony package, both in the backfield, you have Jones running motion, perhaps. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing here. I think that's a but, really good note because they really suffered in that Tampa game from the lack of horizontal spacing. Like there's so many clips online that you can find on Twitter where you can see a edge defender or a linebacker being held out to the sideline by the threat of Watson's speed. And then they just don't run. Like, you can still get that effect with a slightly slower guy. The guy does not have to run 4-3-1 for that to be a threat. I would love to right. see. Because last year they would run Lazard in motion. They would run. Yep. Uh, they would run. EQ, Lazard. It wasn't always like MVS. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't have to be it, the fastest guy. Exactly. Just somebody I would, that uh-huh. catches the linebacker's eye and makes him take like a half step with that motion guy. Yeah, I want Lafleur. So I want Lafleur to take this matchup personally versus Salah and my, and his brother Mike, and just pull out all of the BS, just everything he can think of. This is the bragging rights game. You know how valuable those are. Yep. Oh, you you don't want to be hearing from your brother for a whole you year. You need to be hearing about this like the next four years. They don't 20, play very often. The next twenty Christmases if he loses this game. Exactly, but. Uh, anything else that you uh keeping your eye so, on? So one thing I don't you – know, this is kind of an interesting note I saw that – and I don't know if it's something that we'll be able to watch because I don't think the pack's going to change it yet. But they're much better on offense um, when they're not in shotgun than when they're in shotgun. Mm-hmm. Not just much better, but they're better when they're not, when they're not lining up in shotgun um, by offensive DVO. So that's something to see yeah. whether they start to adjust that because they've been more successful when they don't uh, – um, go in shotgun. We'll see what happens with that. And it does just seem like the things we're looking out for are just adjustments, just changes. Small adjustments. We yeah. just we just want them to do things differently than how they're not working. That's all we want is for some kind of acknowledgement that what they're doing has not been like working exactly as you would hope it would. And they made some adjustments last game. They moved away from Pony Package. They started using more of a true eye with Deguara in there. 
I would like to see further adjustments on defense, especially, but on offense as well. Yep. So should we go on to players to watch? Yeah, go ahead and start. So for mine, I kind of cheated and picked a position group. That is cheating. Um, You're right. <laughs> I'm picking as a as a player the whole offense. No, it has big. I'd like to declare bankruptcy from the <laughs> office where it's like, you can say that, but it doesn't mean anything. Where he just walks out of his office and he's like, "I declare bankruptcy." <laughs> but I'm going with tight ends. Okay, I'm very curious to see if they're going to th- start throwing to Tunyon more as he's getting healthier. And also, will DeGuara be on the field more? Felt mm-hmm. like he was doing good things. The offense was looking pretty good while he was there. But they didn't use him very much. And so those are the players I want to watch. Are they going to get more snaps and more targets? And we're not the only people who seem to think that DeGuara has more of a role in this offense than he's been given so far. I mean, Dusty Evely, uh, who's a great follow on Twitter, does some awesome film work on offense. Really, really offensive, like, X's and O's guys really knows the stuff. Big DeGuara guy really wants to see him in the offense more. Andy Herman really wants to see DeGuara more in the offense of Packaday. I mean, it it seems like a lot of people are realizing that I think DeGuara has a lot to offer, both as a blocker and as a guy in space and on the move and those little dump-off passes. He's got his juice back. I mean, it takes a while for some guys to come back from a torn ACL. He didn't look that ju- like fast last year, but he looks a lot better this year. His lead blocking has looked good. Just about all year, and in the preseason, if I recall correctly. And I think people forget how good he looked in 2020 before he got hurt. <laughs> you mean when he blocked two people on one play and yeah. uh, knocked them both out of the play? That was, I think, the same game he blew up no. the ACL on. No, nope. oh, was the uh, that, that was, was the game? The, that was the, the first, first game injury. of the year where he hurt his calf. That was and the first injury, not the versus Atlanta. Okay. He tore his ACL on a special teams play. Special teams. Woo! <laughs> Um, but but that was players, blocking. That was that was blocking on the line for special teams, right? I think it was well, as he was anyway. going downfield. But it's been a long okay. time now. But anyway, for the me, the players that I want to watch, I also was going to mention Deguara specifically. How much use he gets, how many snaps he gets, how much they stick with this like kind of eye formation, like as opposed to pony. Um, beyond that, I know you talked about them needing to use Aaron Jones more player that i want to watch and i need to see more is aj dylan i mean he's your second best player on offense he or second best skill player on offense he's he's just so much better than what they're letting him be right now i feel like his usage has gone down every single week he had his lowest usage since his since his rookie year last week um i think 30 percent of snaps if i remember correctly he had his lowest target share. He had zero, a 0% target share, no targets in the passing game. And that's just not, it's not going to work. You, he's your second best skill position player. He had a thousand yards last year. You're telling me like that suddenly he's just fallen off a cliff. Like I, I don't think so. He, and he ran well last week. He averaged like what? Four ish yards of carry. Oh, I think it was more. It might've been five yards of carry. Like I've been like 5.1 or something. I'd have to look it he up. Had a, really nice game and they just aren't getting him on the field and i know it's tough because you haven't figured out how to use two back sets not going to get into that i still think i maintain that they need to figure that out to really unlock the ceiling of this offense even though they're not working right now they have to find it a doesn't way to even make have to be work. classic pony i mean they could do the two back sets in a different way yeah but they need to get both those guys on the field because otherwise we run into this where it's like why aren't they using dylan more 
Well, why aren't they using Jones more? Why aren't they using Dylan more? It's it's impossible. It becomes an impossibility um, because even with two backs right now, you're not getting them enough touches, like each of them enough touches. And so, it's just so, it's it's tough because I would like to see him on the field more, and he's getting less and less usage each week. I just looked it up. Dylan got five point seven yards per carry last week against the Giants, and he had and what, he only six got carries? six carries, six yeah. carries, and no targets. I and mean, no come targets. on. And there was like a whole stretch from the second quarter, all the second quarter to the start of the third, where he didn't even touch the field. I thought he was hurt. I was like, did I miss a tweet in my like sleep-induced 6.30 in the morning days? But that's one guy I want to watch. I need him out on the field getting more touches. On the other side, uh, rookie Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Sauce is one of the sickest nicknames. Big fan. Uh, he's a guy I want to watch. He has been a, He's a rookie. I believe he was the fifth overall pick fourth overall pick very high in the draft this past year um he has already has six pass breakups which is one less than the entire Packers secondary as a rookie he has just been he's been really good and I'm curious to see if they even bother testing him I don't know if they will because I don't think they have a single guy on the offense who can separate from him but I would imagine that he's going to guard Dobbs a lot, or maybe he'll guard Lazard a lot. I don't know if he's following anybody, so we'll have to be see see what they do there. But you know, I in think terms of just... sauce, I, isn't uh, that AJ Dillon? Is AJ the sauce Dillon? Yes, he is also the sauce Dillon. Right, he's also the sauce. His is applesauce, though. Yes, but anyway, it is applesauce. Um, just uh, I think he's just a fun, exciting young player to watch. And I know he's on the other team, but he's someone I'm going to keep my eye on because he was really fun at Cincinnati, and he's been really fun in the pros so far. But, Dad, do you want to get to our score predictions? Yeah, so I'm still going with a Packers win, but I think this might, is this going to be the, one of the closer games I've looked at. I don't have a lot of faith in either the offense or defense right now, but I'm going to, they're at home, Green Bay win 20 to 17. Going to be a little close. Maybe, maybe it'll be like a six point game in the, or, ten, or a 10 point game and the Jets score late to cut to three. And we have to sweat it out a little bit at the very end. <laughs> don't we always? For me, I am unfortunately going to have to be a Debbie Downer. I just think that the Jets have a better secondary than we have a receiving core, a better D-line than we have an O-line, and a better O-line than we have a D-line. I think with all of that, despite the quarterback um, kind of downgrade they have from us, uh, I do think the Jets kind of come in and beat us, and we go into full panic mode. I have the Jets winning 24-17. to I think the Packers are going to have a chance to tie it late and are just going to be just short, just like they were versus the Giants. And I think that the entire world will be set on fire in Packers Nation, and I won't go on Twitter for a week. Full panic mode, dog with a cop with a coffee cup in a burning this building is fine. or hell. Everything's Everything fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> That's but, what it's going to be. Yes, and I hope I'm wrong. But anyway, you can come tell me I'm wrong to my face, hopefully. Not actually to my face, but you can come listen to me hopefully be wrong on Sunday night when we do a post game for this um, game. We do our post games every single Sunday night. We post them that evening. You can listen to them Monday morning on your way to work. We'd really appreciate the listen. Dad, do you have anything more you want to add as we wrap up here? So one thing I like to say, in fact, we would love it if hundreds and hundreds of you come and tell us we're wrong. That would yes. be great. Why not? But anyway, <laughs> just to wrap up here, we're really hoping for a Packers win. Boy, do they need it. Losing yep. to both New Jersey teams back-to-back weeks <laughs> would be really brutal for them. And I think would not be a nail in the coffin, but there would be a lot of question marks around the team. But anyway... 
like we said earlier, thanks so much for listening. Come follow us on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Come find us on YouTube, Father Son Packers Podcast. We would really appreciate a follow and a subscription. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.